1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Lane Fargo, and I am here today with Amina Akhtar, she is the author of the critically acclaimed fashion world satire, Hashtag Fashion Victim. And her latest book, Kismet, is out on August 1st or July 1st if you are an Amazon First read subscriber. Welcome, Amina. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. Yes. You were on the show way back when. It was probably like 2018, 2019. I think I it was 2019. <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, I mean, the mists of time, right? Yeah. You are our only guest who has ever done a live interview. Wendy met you at a fancy hotel in LA and interviewed you. Not that fancy, but yes. <laughs> 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 it sounded fancy. I don't know. It was Baby books
0: don't get you fancy hotels. Uh, but it was a cute <laughs> hotel. It was cute. They had skulls everywhere. So it was very on point. Nice. That's
1: yeah. all I want is skulls yeah. at my yeah. hotel. Yeah. So I'm excited that I get to talk to you this time. And we get to talk about your new book, Kismet. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about it? So Kismet
0: is set in the wonderful
1: world of wellness
0: in Sedona, Arizona. <laughs> I should say it's the white world of wellness. You know, it's the goop wellness. And it follows this woman, Ronnie Khan, who's Pakistani American, and she moves out there with her guru of sorts, this woman named Marley, who's a socialite turned wellness person. And she's trying to, you know, just figure out who she is, because she's been under the thumb of her aunt her whole life. And she's decided I'm gonna live my life now, it's time. And all these healers start turning up dead in very gruesome ways. And so then they have to figure out who's doing it, how to stay alive, and why are the ravens talking? But they are.
1: (laughs) I love the talking ravens. I was like, wow, you're really going for it. There's like chapters of the ravens in the town and kind of this like presence. It's very spooky. So I live about 20 miles from Sedona. The
0: wildlife is, I mean, I tweet about it a lot because there's so many wild animals here. There's about four adolescent ravens right now who are just running wild outside and they cause a ruckus every single day. And they're hilarious. You know, I just, I love them. I love the animals. So I wanted to have them represented. I didn't think I was going to do it so literally, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a book. It's fine. If you come out to here, it's really about the wildlife. You know, it's about nature. It's about hiking. It's about being outdoors. But then there's this whole other human world that is happening that can be at odds with that.
1: All the descriptions of the desert at night and the feeling of eyes watching you and like all of the sounds of all the creatures, I was freaking out. I'm not an outdoorsy (laughs) sort of person.
0: (laughs) No, I was not either. I was, you know, a fashion girl living in Manhattan. And then (laughs) I moved out here because my dad's out here. And the first few nights you're out here, first of all, it's it's dead silent, right? And I'm used to cars and traffic. So I'm like, "Ah, you sleep. And then you start hearing the coyotes screaming outside your window at like from 11 p.m. to like 2 in the morning. And it is the freakiest thing in the world. I'm so used to it now. I just think it's hilarious. We have a coyote who kind of hangs out outside our house now. And he's fine. But when you first get here, you're like, what the? So anytime I have visitors, I'm like, "Listen, you're gonna hear some noises.
1: It's fine.
0: <laughs> they can't get inside. Don't worry about it. It's gonna freak you out."
1: I just kept waiting for. I'm terrified of snakes, so that's what I was waiting for in your book—like someone to step on a snake.
0: I know we have a lot of snakes around. I know that there's rattlesnakes around. I've never seen a rattlesnake, not on wood. I've only encountered maybe four snakes, and they were all harmless ones so that's too many <laughs> I know there were two there were two and I gotta find this video there were two snakes having a little love fest in this fountain we have which we don't run nope. because you know drought and I was just like I guess that's the love den for the
1: snakes oh my god
0: ah uh. <laughs> yeah I know.
1: I know. it's such a great setting for a thriller though great I'd never read before yeah
0: I thought if I'm here and I don't use this setting it's gonna be a waste of, of everything like I should put it in a book. It took me forever to write it, too, because I couldn't figure out what the story was. It was like, okay, you are here, there's critters, and white people. Then what? <laughs> you know? I was like, all what vibes, mean? no plot. Yes, yes, it was all vibes. So then I had to figure out the plot, which took forever.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the main characters. So first of all, we have Ronnie, who, like you said, she has been living with this very abusive aunt and doesn't really know who she is and is trying to find it through maybe not the best (laughs) the best way
0: (laughs) so ronnie i wanted her to be as fish out of water and unsophisticated and naive as i was when i was 18 and i moved from texas to new york and this is in the 90s so it's not you know while the internet was around we had no social media and whatever so i show up and everyone is just like leagues beyond me in life experience. I had maybe kissed one person <laughs> when I moved there and I was just like, oh, you guys are like that. Okay. This is different world. You know, I hadn't had drink ever. You felt like an alien, you know? So I wanted her to have that, but at the same time, it's like, how do you do that in 2022? You know, how with social media, do you make somebody have that strict of an upbringing or the that secluded? And so It ended up being that her aunt had to have her under her thumb, which I was really conflicted about because when you're writing characters who aren't white, it's very easy for people to then say this character is representative of everybody, of the culture. Mm -hmm. And so while, and I know people who are this, you will read it and will see some of their relatives in this aunt because we do all have relatives who are just a little much. I just took her aunt like, to attend you know just like cranked it up and made her completely awful i feel like i should state that my aunts are lovely and wonderful women
1: (laughs) and if they're listening to this i'm sorry yeah so she meets marley i love the way she met her her boss who is also a woman of color is like you need to be more empowered and you need a
0: spine girl yeah (laughs)
1: yeah. <laughs> her to this
0: seminar yeah and it was some in, you know instagram guru lady that the boss and farah had seen and so she was like i'll pay for it just go and she does she goes and she doesn't tell her aunt and she just said she's working late and so marley starts trying to get ronnie to stand up for herself and be more assertive and all this and so you know after like six weeks of these courses marley's like by the way peace out i'm moving to sedona and Ronnie has no idea what to do with herself. And so she tags along and mm-hmm. shows up in this world. She's, you know, she's never left New York. She doesn't know what Arizona's like. And so she just shows up here and as things go, she ends up being in a relationship similar to what her and her aunt were with Marley, where she's doing all the housework and the chores and she feels like she's the help. And so it was just, it's interesting to see how she kind of repeats her life issues but then tries to get over it and beyond
1: that yeah I love that parallel that was really interesting because it's like she's looking for this brand new life but just repeating those patterns of trauma which is what
0: we all do do. yeah we all do it
1: (laughs) yeah and then Marley is just the epitome of that white woman thing where it's like I'm manifesting my dreams and it's like is it magic or is it white privilege (laughs) It's and white it's privilege. always quite friendly. And she's trust fund kid. Yeah. So I've written so many versions of this book, and one had
0: her really in depth on her mom, Joan. So Marley's mother, also a socialite, keeps cloning her dog and naming it Marley. <laughs> and so that's kind of gives you an idea of what Marley's personal life was like. So she also is escaping from that and going out and trying to become basically the next Gwyneth Paltrow out here, you know? But. It's not easy to strike it big when everyone in Sedona is a healer, like literally everyone. Every strip mall here in every corner will have psychics and healers and crystal shops. So she has to try to make a splash to really
1: stand out from everybody. And she does that in a... <laughs> a Trumpian way. A extremely white say. privilege kind yeah. of way. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah.
0: So this area is... While well, physically beautiful, it is very conservative and red. And so I wanted to include that because you'll see Trump flags outside. You see really off-the-wall stuff that you don't equate with wellness and the hippie world. But it's how the whole QAnon stuff happened, you know, with a lot of wellness people. There's a woman I met here who's actually a shaman and her name is Brit. Hence, there's a Brittany in the book who's a shaman. And she was at my house, who was a friend of a friend, and she was telling me that Trump made the chemtrails go away. And I was like, Oh wow, oh, yes. how'd do he do that? Yes. Oh, okay. We're gonna we're going there. Okay, you need to get out. You know, it's like no, no. So it's it's a lot of that.
1: It's like that extreme libertarianism where people are going to do what they want to do and they're not going to listen to the establishment. Yeah, yeah Arizona. Arizona, not- I mean, it's beautiful.
0: And there are some really kind, wonderful people here, but there's also a lot of people who think this is still the Wild West. And <laughs> it's still manifest destiny time. And they need to have their guns on them when they go to Walmart because, I don't know, there might be a shootout at the Corral. I mean, there might be actually these days, but it's really bizarre. It's a really strange, very... Specific to Arizona vibe here.
1: Yeah, because I see some commonalities with. I'm from a pretty small town in Central Ohio, and mm-hmm. there's definitely like the Trump flags and people with guns at Walmart and yes. everything. But yes. the like healing aspect, the kind of hippie to stuff added into that is really fascinating. Yeah, it's it's weird. You know, it's definitely a strange combination. Well, let's talk more about wellness culture because I have a lot of thoughts on this, and I know that you yeah. do from. <laughs> From reading this book. But one thing that I, I mean, I'll admit I am definitely drawn to some aspects of wellness culture. And that is because I'm a woman with chronic pain that like no doctor oh, has sure. been able to solve, right? That Which wellness you understand.
0: helps a lot of women feel more empowered about their mm-hmm. health because one, like I have chronic migraines. And so, you know, while I'm not an essential oils person, I do understand that there are facets of wellness that can be helpful. And also there's that sense of taking control of your issues yeah. when the system and the medical world and insurance is failing you. So I absolutely understand the draw to wellness. However, there are yes. <laughs> and I dive into this a lot in the book, it the columbusing nature of wellness, which you know, we and I group myself in on this because I do it too. It's not just white women. I think it's everyone kind of like we all burn sage well that is not our ritual to do is it or Mm -hmm. and if you start to hear about how indigenous folks are having trouble getting sage now so there are things that i wanted to address sort of how we co-opt culture and i specifically did it with south asian because you know i'm south asian and the fetishization of cultures without really knowing those cultures and without wanting to dig into it, you know, like how people will quote Rumi everywhere, but they're also very Islamophobic and you're like, but he's writing about God and this is, he's very Muslim. Like what? Okay. Wow. So I included Rumi quotes on the wall in this made up wellness Institute, the Kismet center. And Mm -hmm. they had Rumi quotes on the walls in every room But when Ronnie says, oh, yeah, Rumi was Muslim, there's like panic for a minute, you know, (laughs) like the white women panic because they're like, oh, no, that's not the kind we wanted. We wanted the Hindu Indian stuff, you know, and it's just, oh, oh, my God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's this whole I don't want to spoil anything that there's like an event in the book. that is I think it talks about it. (laughs) oh my god I was like full body cringing reading <gasps> it that is part the it's so horrible thing
0: I've ever written I won't lie and it's based in reality I I was wondering <laughs> okay so this scene Marley throws a party at the kismet center and she makes it into a Bollywood Indian extravaganza celebrating Ronnie who's fuck funny and it's all these older white women going on and on about india and how when they went there were elephants and everyone called them Mimsop and can she call them Mimsop and she's just like oh my god somebody kill me so that was actually based on i was at a wedding and this was in new york it wasn't in arizona it was my boss it was sort of my boss she was a fashion director above me her husband is british and older and i don't know if you know where this is going but uh he, yes <laughs> he started chatting to me and it's fine and he's like you know i i'm not gonna do the accent but he was like my family really had a lovely time and when, when it was colonial india and i was like yeah i think our families were on opposite sides uh it wasn't great for everyone you know partition <laughs> happened <laughs> and he was like oh yes, yes 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 of course but he's going on oh, waxing poetic and i'm just like how do i get away from this man and then he leaned in and he's like you know I always thought I'd marry an Indian girl. <laughs> and I was like, Ew! Oh, I gotta go. I like just ran. I ran to the opposite <laughs> side of the wedding. I was like, oh, dear God. Oh, like what? So it's, oh. you know, I've met people who just have such a hard on for all things Indian, but they don't understand what has happened since the 1940s. They don't understand how partition happened. They don't understand that a lot of people who are Pakistani, like my parents are born in India. So they don't grasp the cultural differences and it can be really annoying. But I decided let's put it all in one big horrific event and oh, you did. let people <laughs> just cringe. Just enjoy
1: the cringe oh, yeah. guys.
0: Get a so cringe workout cringe. is what that is. Yes. Mm.
1: Yes. But yeah, it's like, of course you had a good time in colonial India, old British man. Right? <laughs> like, what? <laughs>
0: I once went on a blind date, like an internet date, you know, app or whatever, with this guy and his grandparents were stationed in India, you know, British stuff. And I'm like, great. His sisters adopted Indian. They adopted her from India. And all his ex-girlfriends were Indian. And I was like, I'm not joining the menagerie, dude. This is creepy. Like, uh uh-uh. That's so creepy. It is. No, we're done. This is weird. So like he told you all that, like uh, on the date, yes. he like, volunteered this information. Yes, and I was like, oh. "This does not appeal to me." Danger, danger, gotta go. <laughs> there are people who want to eat, pray, love their way through the subcontinent, um, and that's fine. But understand the culture and the you know the different cultures and the subcultures within when you do that, and. Unfortunately for Ronnie, the white women she encounters do not understand any of that.
1: No, they certainly do not. Yeah, that scene was horrifying. But I was wondering what it was. I was like, this hat. This is too real. <laughs> like she did this it's so Something specific. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> we got the columbusing of wellness culture that is a really good term for it because yeah. it is i mean it's yoga and it's crystals and it's, and it's sage and it's everything oh and then, yeah and, and then
0: there are things where so so not only is sage and palo santo getting harder and harder for indigenous people to source responsibly nobody's really and there have not been that many articles written there have been some crystals and crystal mining is very bad for the environment and also bad for people who have to work in the mines but nobody talks about it You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, look at this lovely crystal I have. It's like, okay, well, what was the environmental impact of mining that? That's
1: a really good point. Yeah.
0: So hopefully, maybe these discussions will come up a little bit after people read my book. I I definitely try not to burn sage anymore. You know, we have purple sage growing on the yard. And I'm like, let me figure out how to use that instead of buying it and taking it away from somebody else. So I think that there's Mm -hmm. small things that we can do to be... There's no ethical consumption under capitalism, but I feel like we can be better about how we handle things while still
1: enjoying wellness. I switched to burning lavender, and that's Ooh. fucking rad. It smells really good.
0: I sp- So I do spray lavender on my... Arani does this. I spray lavender on my sheets every night because scorpions don't like lavender, apparently. And we have scorpions in the house. Like, you know, I live on a mountain. You said all the animals stayed outside. Listen... <laughs> <laughs> we have a house spray. So if they come inside, they're already dead, right? Or they're going to be. But I worry that my dog will get stung because she's so tiny. So I have a paranoid ritual every night of hosing my bed down with lavender spray because I'm just like, mm, no, 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 no,
1: no, 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 no. No no scorpions, mm-hmm. please. No. I mean, that's also just like a lovely smell that helps you fall asleep. So sure kind of overlaps, but... Well, there's overlaps.
0: always a moment when I'm in bed with blankets up, and I'm like, what if there's a scorpion in my bed? And
1: then I have to get up and check because I'm crazy. Of course you do, yes. obviously. Ugh. Since you mentioned Bean, we have to talk about Bean for at least a few minutes. She has fans. Her fans want to know. I got to see her right before the call. I got to see her little face.
0: And you met her in <laughs> person at BoucherCon. I Craft. did! I dragged my poor little dog to, you know, a book conference, and she was with people people scary um same bean yeah. Same. <laughs> she, yeah beanie is all of us she's just this tiny hilarious little monster i love her mm-hmm. she is just the cutest dog but she's also probably one of the funniest dogs i've ever met we have a neighbor dog who comes over the black dog and she gets a little jealous um <laughs> and he god bless him he's the, he's the biggest dumbest dog i've ever met but he's so sweet He's a pit mix, and he's just – I don't know if he's been mistreated or what, but he was terrified of us for a long time, and he would only come over if Beanie was out. And if Beanie was out and was with us, then it would be okay for him to come by, you know, because he was that scared. But now I'll give him food, and she'll want it. And I'm like, girl, you don't even like kibble. Like, what are you doing? You won't eat kibble. But if he has kibble, she has to have it now. Right? It's like, okay, Of course. Fine, Beanie. Yes.
1: <laughs> but she's famous not just for being cute, but for her coyote vest.
0: So, okay, when I first moved here, here, I thought, and so I moved here in end of 2016, right before the election, which was such a brilliant move on my part. I just thought if I move my dog here and she gets eaten by a coyote, i am never going to forgive myself. I'm just not, you know. So I found the coyote vest, which is a Kevlar vest in a bright neon pink. And it had these spikes. And I'm sure you guys have seen it on the internet. It went viral and... James Corden was making fun of it on his show. He made fun of it? He I'll send you the link. Yeah. He was totally making but It was a whole segment on Beanie. And I'm just like, what? Ugh, how I how dare I, just, I, Ugh, I didn't James think anything Corden. of it because I posted that photo before. And then I woke up the next day and people were like, dude, your dog's on TV. And I was like, what? How? <laughs> so, yeah, she got a little famous and now all she does is lie around and eat and demand belly rubs and you know she's such a diva but it's fine
1: we give it that's the life (laughs) it is
0: (laughs) god i want to be her Mm -hmm.
1: well let's talk a little bit i know since we both share this experience of writing with chronic illnesses i would love to talk about like how how do you do that because i during the pandemic it has been a struggle it's like you feel like shit and then you're supposed to like Write and, a book? And, and even like, beyond
0: having chronic illnesses, I think, and I was talking to two different writers about this last night, because I think everyone is really feeling like I should be doing more, I should be doing this, but you can't, yeah. because the world's a garbage fire right now. And every day there's like new horrors. And how how can you create when you need to rest and let your, you know, be happy and feel some joy? It's hard. But yeah, mm-hmm. I have chronic migraine. If you follow me on Twitter, if I'm tweeting a lot, I'm just really stoned. Like, that's just it. <laughs> I'm always really stoned. I, I I stay, I'm fine, I work out, I write, and then I get stoned. And that's me every day because there's almost always a headache looming, And so it's just kind of like, let's just nip it in the bud. But I think what I've had to learn is it's okay to take days off. It's okay to not do anything, even if your editor has a deadline for you. It's okay to be like, I'm just going to rest because I think daydreaming is such a huge part of my process. And letting mm-hmm. my brain just sort of wander. I always joke that I get my ideas when I'm stoned and lying in bed and then like all of a sudden they pop, like when your brain is off, you know, it's, a, it's the back. Brain. That's what yeah. Caroline as calls it. She calls it the back brain. So the back brain is chilling. Then you can be like, oh my God, this idea, that's perfect. And that's how I always end up figuring out my plot. And like, things that are tripping me up. But I definitely have days where I can't even look at my phone or my computer without throwing up. So I'm just gonna not even deal with it. And that's just life, you know, you have to make peace with it and not beat yourself up. Because yeah, what can you do?
1: Yeah, I have a really hard time with resting. My chronic pain is such that like most of the time I can work, but it's like not great for me. I need yeah. to have limits on it, but it's kind of like I can keep pushing up against it. And then I don't realize I've gone too far until I'm like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to learn your limits.
0: And there are some days when I can do like, oh, I just got through 50 pages and I wrote 5,000 words on this. And then there's going to be the next couple of days where I don't do anything. Because sometimes mm-hmm. when you push yourself too hard, it's like you're done. We have to learn to give ourselves grace the same way we give it to other people. You know, like you wouldn't expect somebody else who's chronically ill to, to constantly work, work, work. So, why are we expecting it of ourselves?
1: I think it's something we just as a society need to oh, learn yeah. that there's, because uh, it's all, it's just capitalism. It's not it like Puritan And it's also, let, work me be, ethic.
0: let me be perfectly honest, it's the book publishing world, you know, like <laughs> the yeah book a year thing which I'm trying to do right now. And it's not a feasible concept you know, for some of us to, to churn out a book a year. Like for me, it takes me about two years to get a book together. I'm writing one on fast forward right now and I'm just like, oh, how, what am I doing? I think that the book publishing world needs, and, and, and also maybe readers, because I know a lot of readers love the whole book a year thing. It's very difficult to do. And it's very taxing on your mind and your spirit and your body. So it's good to, you know, keep boundaries with that sort of thing, which isn't always possible because you have contracts and deals and you have to do it.
1: Yeah. Plus, I mean, they're not paying us enough (laughs) to do that. Most of us. I mean, yeah, they're not. Yeah. There's very few of us are ever going to be rich from writing. (laughs) So, yeah. 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 That's, so it's like, you, they want you to hurry up and finish this book so they can publish it but and you might market have, it. But like, what if you cool. have kids and a
0: job and like life, yeah. especially in the last couple of years, it's just been overwhelming. It's very challenging for people right now to write. And I think we all need to be like, okay, that's fine. That's okay. But one of the things I think that's come out of the pandemic is that I think people are going back to or getting weirder in a good way. You know, like, like, I was like myself, I feel like I'm going back to what I was like when I was 17. And I wanted to do all mm. these cool things. And I was willing to try it. And spy It's it like, let's be weird and goffy and, and this and who cares, you know, and I think that's really healthy and good for us that we're, we're a lot of people are just getting weird, you know, and I'm like, God, get weirder, do it.
1: Yeah. I've been feeling that way too. A book I'm working on now, I don't even really know what genre it is. I just fucking love it. And I'm drawing on all these things that I loved when I was a kid. And it just, I'm like, fuck it. The world is ending maybe. So write the
0: weird book. The book I'm working on right now is, you know, it's about a woman who's being stalked and gets attacked and all this stuff. But it's also, it's about gin. And it's about my family stories of gin. And it's weird. It is a weird little book. (laughs) Not gonna
1: when I finish it. It's just
0: like, if I never write another book again, this is the book I want to write. So it's like, okay,
1: let's get weird. Let's have some fun with it, you know? And that's a real thing we have to think about now. It's like, if I never write another book again because the world is over, society collapses, there's no more publishing, whatever. Yes. You know, (laughs) kind (laughs) of. Can't wait. There's no time. We don't
0: know what's gonna happen in the next couple (laughs) years. But it's a little bleak. And that's another thing. It's like, how do you create things that aren't equally bleak right now? Yeah. Because I don't necessarily like writing bleak stuff. Like, if I'm going to write something, I'm going to add humor to it because I feel like it's easier Mm -hmm. for myself, writing, and also readers to to ingest it and to really think about it if they're laughing. That's just how I do things. And so it's been a challenge to have that humor when you're like, oh, the world is... Bad things again. Oh, great. This is awesome.
1: I've been thinking a lot about what brings me joy, like what I would want to read, what I'm going to feel happy working on. Because I spent most of 2020 and part of 2021 trying to write this super dark gothic romance about a woman with chronic pain, and it made me want to die. I just hated that book. I hated that book. And I finally got to a point with it where I was stuck on this certain plot point. And I came up with several solutions to fix it, but I was just like, I don't want to write any of these. They're all so depressing. Yeah. I don't want to write this. I don't want to put this out into the world. So I just like shoved it in a drawer and was like,
0: and you? oh, shit. You can come back to it. Uh, if, I don't think I'm going to. I mean, if it, if it helps, <laughs> but I, could, yeah. I literally, like, met, I think, I I mean, I wrote like full books, 100,000 words. About four different times, I just hit delete and started over because yeah. I was right. I wrote it in first person. I wrote it in third person. I did this. I mean, I literally had entire side things on every single character and it wasn't working. So I'm one of those people who don't be afraid to start over because maybe you'll use part of what you did. Maybe there's a scene that you wrote already that you're going to cannibalize and put in another book. Or maybe, you know, in a few years from now, you go back to it. You know, I always feel like it's never a wasted effort.
1: Yeah, Yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, the book I'm writing now has a little bit of the DNA of that book. And then I can Mm -hmm. see like other things I can use. And I think it's so helpful to talk about all of the sort of false starts and dead ends and whatever as a writer because
0: you just see yeah the second book is like I know that there's a a whole trope about the second book The second books are really hard (laughs) this is my third
1: book and I think it's even worse but you know my second book there was no (laughs) global pandemic so
0: third book is not at all easy either (laughs) like I'm I'm really just like this book is so weird I don't know if people are gonna get it but second books I just was like what am I doing was the first book a fluke like am I done? <laughs> what? And, and so you have to get beyond that point and stop thinking of it that way and just focus on like almost in a vacuum you know like don't mm-hmm. think about anything else just focus on what the book needs to do and what the story wants to be and, and do that but oh my god it, it really took me forever and i was like oh god i'm such a failure i can't believe it's taken me so long
1: but yeah <laughs> yeah We're all just like sitting in our little rooms alone feeling like failures and everybody's feeling the same way. (laughs)
0: Like literally I've had this conversation with, I think three different people yesterday, all in publishing, you know, two writers and editor, but how we're all feeling like failures right now and how we need to just chill out and and, like let ourselves feel things, but, but also not make it about our lack of productivity because I don't think in history, like, our favorite authors and the classics, they've got what, two, three books, some of them? Maybe four. Yeah. You know? Let's take our time. It's okay. Publishing. Give us yeah. give us a break. Give us time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like capitalism. Give us a break. Leave we, us alone.
0: We need we need we need moments to sleep and go on vacation <laughs>
1: if that ever happens again. Yeah, if it ever does. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, this has been so delightful getting to Thank chat you. with you and Bean. And bean. <laughs> Well, you already mentioned what you're working on next, and I'm very excited to read that. So could you tell everyone where to find you on the internet to wrap I up? I am on Twitter and Instagram under Dramina
0: D R R R A M I N A. Yeah, sorry. It was a nickname a friend of mine gave me when I first we first met in New York, like when we were 18. Because I was a little dramatic, shocking. <laughs> um and Beanie has her own Instagram which is miss.beanie if you just want dog photos, which I don't forget. You know, I'm with you. Skip the chatter. Yeah, whatever brings dog. you joy. Yes. That's the thing. Find your joy right now, everybody. Like after this, I'm getting an astro reading because that's gonna bring me joy. <laughs> so I'm doing that. Amazing. Like, yes. <laughs> so find whatever brings you joy right now in writing, in reading, in everything. Because oh my gosh, we need it.